Welcome to the Connection Point Church Podcast. We hope to be an encouragement throughout your week. New episodes are available every Sunday evening and Thursday evening. We also invite you to join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Turn with me to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. The book of Colossians, chapter 1. Amen. Thank you, all of you who serve and sing and play and give and greet. Can we give all of our volunteers a round of applause? Being here early. Can we give Cindy Noling a round of applause? Isn't she just so wonderful? You know, our anniversary is this week. Did you know that? I want to just say happy anniversary to you. I love you so much. Amen. Isn't she just the best? Amen. 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 If you're visiting with us, thank you for being with us today at Connection Point Church. Amen. So glad to have you here with us. Amen. We're going to turn to the book of Colossians chapter 1. I want to just greet all of you again. We're going to get right into the word of the Lord. I know you've been standing. I just want to preach a very... Just a very straightforward message, uh, just encouraging, uplifting. Amen. The book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. For it pleased the Father, amen, that in Him, in Jesus Christ, that all the fullness of God should dwell. Amen. You don't need to look any further. It's all in Him, folks. Everything you need, it's all in the name of the Lord. Come on, that's good news. It's not complicated. It's not sophisticated. It's not overly complex. Come on, when you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, you're calling upon everything that you need. Amen. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness would dwell. Verse, uh, verse 20, it says this, And by Him to reconcile all things unto himself and by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Come on, there's reconciliation in him. There's peace in him. Everything you need. Verse 21, the Bible says in you. Come on, say he's talking to me. You who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by the wicked works Yet now has he reconciled. Come on, you who were once far from God are brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 22, in the body of his flesh, through the death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. God doesn't look down on you through Christ, through the blood of Jesus, through the cross. Come on, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He doesn't see your past sins. He doesn't see your past mistakes. Come on, you've been reconciled. You've been justified. And you've been brought near. Verse 23. And if indeed you continue in that faith, you got to keep on keeping on. It's not an it's not without some stipulation. You got to stay in the faith. You got to stay in grounded and steadfast. And are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a minister. Verse 24, and now I rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. One more portion of scripture in Colossians chapter 3. If you then who were raised up with Christ seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above. Come on, that's what we need to do today. We just need to set our minds 
on the things above. If you have an iPhone every once in a while, it'll give you a screen time just indicator. You've been on a screen five hours a, a week or five hours a day or whatever. Sometimes you just need to detach yourself from the things of the world and get your mind on Jesus today. Come on, set your mind on the things, not on the things of this earth, for you died and your flesh, or for your life is hidden with Christ in God. One more verse, it says this, when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I want to just take you back and focus on that one portion of scripture that we read in Colossians chapter 1 verse 19, for in him it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness of God dwell. I want to just preach somebody today, to somebody today, that whatever your need is, come on, I've got a message that's going to apply to everyone today. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what your socioeconomic background is. I don't care what your education is. I don't care how much money you have in the bank. I don't care where you are in this season of life. I've got a message to tell you today that whatever your need is, whatever your circumstances are today, that it is all in Him. Amen, amen, amen. Can we bow our head? Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for your mercy, for your help, for your grace. I pray, God, just for the next few moments, God, that you would minister faith, that you would find someone where they are, that you would lift them up, get their eyes lifted up to your cross, God, to, to get their eyes off their problems, to get their eyes off their worries, to get their eyes off their insufficiencies, to get their eyes off where they're lacking, and to get their eyes on you, Lord Jesus. Everything they need is in you. And so we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. And we ask it in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You've been standing forever. You can be seated. Amen. God bless you. It's all in Him. Amen. How many know that's true? It's all in Him. Amen. Everything you need is in the Lord today. Believe it or not, it's true. It's all in Him. If you've been in church any amount of time, or maybe you've heard, there is a song titled that by the title of my message today, and by which I draw the inspiration for the title of my message today. It was a song, a hymn that was written in the 1920s by a, by a man by the name of George R. Faro, and it was entitled simply, It Is All in Him. And the verses in the chorus of that song are wonderful, full of faith and encouragement. And they say, I want to read for them today, they say, The mighty God is Jesus. The Prince of Peace is He, the Everlasting Father, the King eternally, wonderful in wisdom, by whom all things were made. The fullness of the Godhead in Jesus is displayed. It's all in Him, the chorus says. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus, and it's all in Him. I want to just keep on reading to you the lyrics of this song because it's just so encouraging. Emmanuel, God with us, Jehovah, Lord of hosts, the coming present spirit who fills the universe, the advocate, the high priest, the lamb of sinners slain, our author of redemption, O glory is His name, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the living word incarnate, helpless sinner's friend, our wisdom and our perfection, our righteousness and power, yes, 
us all we need in Jesus, we find this very hour. It's this song that simply just uh, captures the word of encouragement that I want to bring today as we take a look here in the book of Colossians that whatever your situation is and whatever your need is, whatever your circumstances are here this morning, I want to tell you that whatever you need that you can find in faith in Jesus Christ, that when you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus in your midnight hour, that when you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus in the moment of desperation, in the hour of need, I want to tell you today that we don't have a God that is afar off. We don't have a God that is disengaged and disconnected. We don't have a God that is apathetic to the needs of his people today. But we have a God that is interested. We have a God that knows. We have a God that cares. And we have a God that is, that is able to meet us at the place of our need. It's all in him, folks. And so here it is in this portion of scripture in the book of Colossians. In Colossians 1 and 3. That I've taken my text for you this morning and... It's here that the Apostle Paul is writing to this church in Coloss, the letter to the Colossians. And here in this letter, it's his motivation on this particular occasion as he's writing them to, to, to try to encourage this reportedly morally declining church. And there were a few things in this letter, if we were to take the time this morning to try to just unpack all that is in here, that, that Paul is really trying to focus in on. There are a few things that Paul is trying to get the believers here in Coloss to understand. And in order to truly understand what all was going on in Coloss and the solution that Paul is providing, we need to just uh, just dig in a little bit deeper to recognize what Paul was addressing. You see, Coloss was dealing with reports of moral and spiritual decline. A, a spirit of apathy had begun to set in on the church in Coloss in those days. And it was this city that was located in modern-day Turkey. It was once a very strategic and thriving community. It was along a very strategic trade route there in the Roman Empire and, and in the Mediterranean. And by Paul's time, this particular city had lost its significance to a neighboring city that Paul was also very familiar with by the name of Ephesus. It was Paul now who was writing to this church that according to the book of Acts, we never find any indication that Paul had ever visited directly. In fact, the closest that Paul had ever come to this city of Coloss was on his third missionary journey where we find in Acts chapters 19 and 20 where he was passing through the upper coast of Ephesus and he encounters 12 disciples there and, and Paul begins to minister to them and encourage them and he sees these disciples and he asks them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And it was these disciples who believed in Jesus, who were disciples and were following Jesus, that had not yet received all that Jesus had to offer them. And the Bible says that Paul laid his hands upon those 12 disciples, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in another language. Uh, it was here that we find that, that these disciples realized and recognized something about the riches and the depths of God's goodness and His mercy, that just when they may have 
have thought that they had everything that God had in store for him. Then came along Paul and began to, to, to get them to recognize God is not through with you. There's still more that God wants to pour out on you. There's still more that God wants to do through you. And so as they begin to surrender their hearts, God began to fill them with the Holy Ghost. I want to just tell you one thing that we can never do is get to a place of apathy and contentment to begin to think that we've received everything that God has in store for us. No, 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 no. God is not through with you. God is just getting started with you. God's got more blessings for you. God's got more direction for you. God's got more relationships for you. God's got more provisions for you. God's got more victory for you. God's got more healing for you. Don't you ever get to a place where you become stagnant and stale and apathetic in your relationship with God to think that God is all of a sudden done doing everything he can do. God has more in store for your life. So Paul is ministering in this region in Ephesus and near Colossus, and it was here during his time in Ephesus that Paul was able to preach and to teach the Word of God in such a profound way that the Bible tells us that through his ministry in Ephesus that all of Asia heard the word of the Lord. And so it was sometime during this two-year stint where Paul is preaching and teaching and ministering and seeing God do the miraculous in Ephesus that, 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 that a man by the name of Epaphras, who was converted to Christianity under Paul's ministry in Ephesus, eventually traveled to the city of Colossus. And, and in that region and round about that city, and he began to feel a calling to plant a church, to start a church. And he began reaching people. And he began pastoring in the city of Colossus, to this city where Paul was writing the letter of the Colossians. And so he's there ministering and preaching, and, and Paul's moved on from Ephesus. A few years have gone by now, and Paul has preached throughout all of the world and is ultimately arrested in Jerusalem and sent to Rome to stand trial before Caesar. Now Paul, towards the end of his life and towards the end of his ministry, is in a prison sentence awaiting his ultimate verdict. And he's here in, in, in house arrest in the city of Rome when all of a sudden one of his former converts travels some thousand miles from the city of Colossus to the city of Rome, this pastor by the name of Epaphras, the pastor of the church in Colossus, to begin to seek Paul's advice for the spiritual apathy that had begun to set, begin to make way into the city of Colossus, into that church. Because this pastor was unable to deal with the, with the core issues, the false doctrine, the, the spirit that was taking over that region, and, and he was unable to, to, to get his arms around it, he began to make his way to Paul to begin to get advice and encouragement and direction. And so he's there with Paul in the city of Rome awaiting for some direction and some pastoral advice on how to approach some of the troubles and struggles and trials that he's dealing with in his church back in the city of Colossus. And, and it was here that Paul begins to formulate this letter, this, this epistle to the church of the Colossians. And it's here in Colossus that we find that Paul begins to deal with something. He begins to deal with the spirit and instead of lending credibility to the problem and Instead of lending credibility to all of the things that the people in the city of Colossus are doing wrong and outlining all the areas that they're falling short and all of the things that are wrong and, and the ways that they're, they're not quite uh, measuring up, instead of going through all of the problems in this, in this letter of Colossus, instead Paul begins to focus on the solution. 
You see, it was here in Colossae, Paul begins to, instead of focusing on the moral concern, instead of focusing on some theological quibble, instead of dealing with personal problems that, that the church may have been dealing with at that time, instead, Paul begins to focus in on the solution that is going to take care of all of the needs and all of the worries and all of the troubles. He begins to drill down and focus on the solution that they need, that, that the solution is what it is and that has always been, and that is that his that their answer is found in Jesus Christ. That everything they need is found in Jesus. That their answer is found in Jesus. That their refuge is found in Jesus. That their healing is found in Jesus. That everything that God has for your life is found in Jesus Christ. That, my friends, is the theme. That, my friends, is the message. That, my friends, is the content of the, of the Scripture that you'll find as Paul is writing to the church in Colossus. That you may have some troubles, and you may have some trials, and you may have some problems, and there may be some things taking place in your life that are overwhelming, that have you wondering, how am I going to get through this? But as, as, as simple and as uncomplex as it may sound, Paul is identifying that whatever you need at the end of the day is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That if you will draw near to Him, that He will draw near to you. That whatever your need is, that you need, it's found in Jesus. So Paul writes this letter to address this church in the city of Colossus. Instead of arguing, instead of disputing about their shortcomings, one by one, instead of just lining them out one by one, what they are believing and why it's wrong, he didn't even bother to lend any of that any credibility. Instead, his strategy in writing this prison epistle was to present the church with their ultimate solution. So he did so by presenting a thorough explanation, a systematic explanation, and an accurate view of who Jesus Christ is. That he is truly the God of the Old Testament, incarnate in the flesh. That Jesus Christ is preeminent. He is the all-powerful God who became a man. That He was before all things. That Jesus is above all things. And He is by whom all things were created. For whom all things are created. By whose power all things exist. That He is who is seated as the head of all principality and power and thrones and dominion of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. He presents an accurate portrayal, a theological perspective that Jesus Christ is still the head of the church in whom is all all the fullness of the Godhead dwelling bodily it's in Him in whom all the riches of the knowledge and the wisdom of God dwells. And so Paul is writing to this church to encourage them that everything you need is still found in Jesus. And so he says here in Colossians chapter 1, For it pleased the Father that in Him should all the fullness of God dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven or things under the earth. They have, he has made peace through the blood of His cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has He reconciled. And you who were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, which are where Christ is risen, sitting on the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ 
Christ and God, wherein his life appears, you also will appear with him in glory. What he's saying, listen, I don't know what's got you to this point. I don't know what all is taking place. But what I'm trying to encourage you to do is to get your eyes off the problem. Get your eyes off the struggle. Get your eyes off the worry. And get your eyes back on the solution. Come on, set your eyes on those things which are above. Get your focus back on the cross. Get your focus back on the fact that he has all power, all authority. It's all in him. Come on, it's all in him. Whatever you need is found in Him. The answer to your prayer is still in Him. The need that you're looking for a solution is found in Him. It's all in Him. Just like that songwriter said, the mighty God in Jesus, the Prince of Peace is He, the everlasting Father, the King eternally. Come on, it's all in Him. I want to tell you today that our spiritual needs can be met by calling upon the name of the Lord, by drawing close to Jesus. I want to tell you that it all starts... When we begin to surrender our life, Paul is telling us that the very first thing that you're going to find in Jesus Christ is forgiveness of sins. It was in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. The first thing that you're going to find in Jesus, you're going to find forgiveness of your sins. Come on, sin is what separates us from God. Sin is what allows apathy to begin to take place in the hearts and the minds of God's people. Sin is what begins to distract us and to discourage us and to, and to tear us away from, from fellowship with Christ. But I want to tell you, the very first thing that we need to do to combat the sin issue in our life is to begin to call upon the name of the Lord because in him according to Paul we find redemption through his blood come on there is still forgiveness of sins in him not only do we find forgiveness of sins but we find justification in Christ we find a right relationship it was Paul that said in Romans chapter 5 much more than having now been justified by his blood that we shall be saved from the wrath through him that, that we don't have to keep on holding our head down low that once we've repented and once we've gone down in the waters of baptism and once God's filled us with his spirit and, and as we walk in faith and continue in the faith that we are children of God God doesn't look at us according to our past mistakes God doesn't look at us according to our past sins. God doesn't look at us as though we are failures and falling short. He sees us through the blood of Jesus. He sees us through the redemptive work of Calvary. He sees us through the work of cross. He sees you through Christ's righteousness. And I want to tell you, he's pleased with you. He loves you. He has a plan for you. He wants to draw near to you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to use you. We have justification. Not only that, we are brought near. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't have to stay far away from God. You don't have to be a stranger. You may have been far, but through the blood of Jesus, you can draw near. And not only that, we overcome through Jesus Christ. Revelations chapter 12, and they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. I want to tell you something right now, that whatever your situation is, what I'm trying to preach to you is just a word of faith to encourage you that what you need is still found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the writer of Scripture says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and that the righteous run into it and are safe. I want to tell you that when you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, 
that you are calling upon all of the authority and all of the power and all of the provision and all of the healing and all of the victory of the great God of the Old Testament who has manifested himself in flesh, that Jesus literally in the fullness of time was that great God Jehovah that came and wrapped himself in human flesh and now offers salvation freely to all men. And when you call upon the name of the Lord, you are calling upon all of the power of God himself. You see, it was in that Old Testament that God established a covenant with the nation of Israel. And he said that if they would serve him, that he promised that he would establish them and he would make them a holy people. And if they would serve them, he would bless them greatly and he would make them witnesses to all nations. And he expressed this, this plan, this covenant, by identifying them with his name, Jehovah. It was this name Jehovah, which was a general name that represented that he was the Lord God Almighty. He was introducing himself to this people, to the nation of Israel. He identified himself by the name of the Lord their God. And so as soon as he delivered them from the land of Egypt, from the bond of, of Egypt, as soon as he took them out of the world and established his covenant with them, he was known of them and by them as the Lord God Jehovah. And so as they began following him and as they began walking with him and serving him and, and they began to know him, over time God would begin to progressively reveal more and more aspects of his character and his nature to this covenant people. And he began to reveal to them that he's more than just the Lord God Almighty, but He is their deliverer. And as needs would arise in their life, as, as situations would arise, God would begin to reveal more and more about His character and more and more about His power and more and more about His authority and more and more about His nature. And we find that as the needs of the, uh, the people of God would arise, God would meet those needs and reveal more about His character. We know that in the book of Genesis that Abraham was in need of a sacrifice and the Bible says that he was, he was making his way up the mountain and he was getting ready to sacrifice his son Isaac and he prayed, I need a sacrifice. Will the Lord provide a sacrifice? And the Bible says as Abraham was getting ready to sacrifice the thing that he loved the most, that out of the thicket there that God provided for him a sacrifice and it was there that Abraham realized he's not just the Lord God Almighty but he is Jehovah Jireh, my provider that Abraham realized what some of us realize that when we find a need in our life when we don't know how the how we're going to get through the month when we don't know how we're going to make ways or or make provision then that's when we call upon the name of the Lord and God reveals that he is a way maker and that he is a provider and that God is still in charge of our life <laughs> Jehovah Jireh my provider but that's not all that the Lord is we find that as Moses was, was leading the children of Israel through the, through the wilderness, that they had become very thirsty, that they were in need of water, and, and, and they couldn't find any water that was drinkable. And they came to this place called Mara where the water was bitter. It was undrinkable, and the people began to complain, and they began to murmur. They, they had a new need. They had a, another situation now that they were facing that we've seen God provide. We've, we've seen God deliver, but, but now we need, this, we need this God to heal this water so that we 
can drink the water. And, and so the people began to murmur and complain. But Moses called upon the name of the Lord. And God told Moses, Moses, you take that tree and cast it into the water. And that tree will make the bitter water sweet. And they realized, you know what? Not only is he Jehovah Jireh, my provider, but he is Jehovah Rapha. He's my healer. That he can heal the bitterness. He can heal the offense. He can heal the situations in my life spiritually and emotionally and mentally and physically that when I get a hold of that tree which was that old rugged cross that when I get a hold of Calvary's cross and cast it into the bitter waters of my life and cast it into the bitterness of my situation when I get my eyes off the bitterness of the situation I'm in and back on the goodness of God that God can begin to do a supernatural healing in my life I don't know what you're going through and I don't know what you're been where you've been but I want to tell you that when you get your eyes on the cross of Calvary that God will begin to heal the bitterness in our life he's a healer he's a provider but that's not all the Bible says that as they were making their way the scriptures found that they found out that he was not only a provider and a healer but that he was a protector and that he was one who would give victory whatever the situation is they needed righteousness he was righteousness they needed victory he was victory they needed uh, they needed sanctification he was sanctification they needed peace he was peace and throughout the course of time God began to reveal more and more about who he is But it was not until the fullness of time had come when that great God of the Old Testament decided to manifest himself in the flesh. And that angel told Mary, you are to to name him Jesus, for he will deliver his people from their sin. He is Emmanuel, that in him all of the fullness of that God from that Old Testament was found in the name of Jesus Christ. What I'm trying to preach to you today is that in the Old Testament, they found provision. In the Old Testament, they found the name of God as a Rapha, a healer. Sid Canoe, a righteousness. M. Kadesh, sanctification. They found that he was peace and righteousness and, 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 and victory and all of those things. But what I've come to tell you today is that we don't have to call on a Rolodex of names of the Old Testament God. That everything that was in the Old Testament God, when we call upon that one name of Jesus Christ, everything that those Old Testament saints needed is found when we call upon the name of the Lord. That he is our salvation. That he is not just a salvation. He's not just a, a victory and a healing and a provider, but He can save our soul. He can make a way. He is everything that we need. Everything you need is found in Jesus Christ. So Paul is writing to this church in in Coloss. He's saying, I know there's some situations. I know there's maybe a spirit of apathy that's taken over. I know that some things seem overwhelming and you don't really know how to get through it. He said, I'm not going to take the time and lend the credibility to go through all the problems and all outline all the issues and, and, and name all the things that are going wrong. What I want to just tell you today is that if you would just get your eyes off the things of this earth and get your eyes back on Jesus, he says that is the solution that everything you need is found in him. Stand with me today. It's all in him. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Let's exalt the name, His name together. Everything you need, when you just begin to lift up the name of Jesus, 
when you begin to get your eyes back on the Lord, when you begin to get your eyes back on the solution, I want to tell you there is something that happens. God begins to lift you up above your troubles and your trials. It's that name that the scripture says that is highly exalted. Whatever your problems, whatever your worries, I want to tell you, if you'll just begin to get your eyes back on Jesus. Come on, you can rise above your troubles and your circumstances. Come on, all over this place. Can we just begin to lift our hands today? Maybe we've gotten distracted or discouraged by the things of life. Maybe we've allowed ourselves to to get caught up in the fray, to get caught up in the weeds, to become overwhelmed by the, the worries of this life, the cares of this life. But I've just come with a simple word of encouragement to just remind you that everything you need begins with getting your eyes back on Jesus. Come on, all over this place. Can we just lift our hands today, lift our hearts today? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, would someone just begin to put Jesus first in your life one more time? Come on, would someone just begin to put your hand back into the hands of the Lord again one more time? If you're here today, I just want to encourage you that if you will draw near to the Lord, that the Lord will draw near to you. Can we just, all over this place, as an expression of our faith in the Lord, begin to make our way into this altar? Come on, whatever your circumstances are, whatever your need is, whatever your situation is, I wonder if we could just begin to draw near to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. We that were once far away are brought near by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, can we just begin to draw near to the Lord right now? know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing, but I know the one who does. So what I want us to do one more time before we leave this service in your own way, a hand lifted, a heart lifted, eyes lifted. We're getting ready to sing this song. I want us to begin to disconnect our attention, to disengage our focus from the things of this world, from the problems of this life, to get our our gaze focused back on eternity, back on the cross, back on the solution. Can we do that right now? In the name of the Lord, hallelujah.